Wilmot Smith, Chapter on Alternative Dispute Resolution. Welcome to this latest episode in the series arising out of the publication of the fourth edition of Wilmot Smith on Construction Contracts. Q, for those of you who have seen this in video, I'm now holding up a copy of the book. Delighted to be joined this morning by Edwin Glasgow, Queen's Council, and Marion Smith, Queen's Council, to discuss what has changed in this chapter since the third edition, uh, and also to discuss prospects for the fourth edition. Delighted also to have Vivek Kapoor with us, another member of 39 Essex Chambers, to join us in, in our discussions about what has changed in ADR between the third and the fourth editions. Marion, could you just perhaps give us a bit of a flavour of, uh, of the way in which you and Edward approach the task of updating th this chapter over what's been quite a long gap where a lot has happened in the ADR world? It was very interesting, Paul, um, because one had forgotten how new it was. Um, it's what I found we had to do was to strip out some of the introductory material and to introduce the way it's been hard-baked now into construction, into TCC, into international dispute resolution. So that's, that, that, was our, that was our first task, to take out. There was an awful lot of weeding out. And then, we've, um, then, we, then we threw in the new stuff. Um, and, you know, Edwin, arbitration, mediation, that whole new pick and mix, I think, was, was, was for you one of the big themes. Yes, I think that's right, Marianne. When you first spoke to me about this, of course, it came at a most interesting time when we had just really devised ARB, Med, ARB as a solution, particularly at for the construction world. Uh, before we even look at that, I think the other big change was that mediation particularly was being accepted far more readily in the world, particularly of international construction. I think partly because the quality of mediators specializing in this field had gone up massively, and partly because it was recognized that the construction world required special skills, and that's why the whole thing works much better. But if, if it's convenient now for us to touch on Arb Med Arb, which we thought was a, a very important thing to raise in the in, in, in the new in the new work. Um, I can add a few words on that. Um, it, it, it's fair to say this, of course, uh, was devised when when we were all parties to the setting up of the International Mediation Centre in Singapore, uh, which has become very popular, particularly for international construction disputes. But it's it's used everywhere. In a nutshell, the advantage of Arb Med Arb is that it produces a mediated settlement in a form which is New York Convention compliant, so the parties can go away with something that they can take into a court and have enforced. The way it works in a nutshell is that the dispute or the issue that arises in the construction business is referred to a single arbitrator with a view simply to being referred to arbitrate, to mark to mediation. So an arbitrator then registers the dispute as a valid arbitration, but before doing anything else, he gives on his own preliminary directions of the simplest and shortest kind, referring it to mediation. It then goes to a different person, a mediator, who looks at it and mediates, and assuming that the mediation is successful, he comes to an agreement, the parties agree, they refer it back to the arbitrator, and the arbitrator can then issue a consent award, which is a proper award. 
So it overcomes the sham which used to be produced, particularly in the construction world, by well-meaning people coming to a solution and then going off to an arbitrator and asking him or her to rubber stamp it. That, of course, was an absurdity. It was a sham, however well-intentioned, because there had not been a genuine dispute at the time when the matter was purposed to be referred to arbitration. Whereas with Arb Med Arb, as the, as, the, as the brief title explains, the arbitration validly starts. If the mediation succeeds, it goes back to the single arbitrator who can then perfectly properly issue an award by consent and agreement. And in the unlikely event that the, um, the mediation doesn't succeed, which now, given the quality of the mediators who are working in this field, is extremely unlikely, but, uh, particularly if it's one of the mediators from 39 Essex Street who will succeed in mediating all their awards successfully. The, 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 the mediated settlement then goes back to the arbitrator. And if for some reason it hasn't worked, the, the side men, the wing men, are then appointed by the choice of the, the, uh, of the parties, and the, arbitrator, uh, the arbitration continues as if nothing had happened. And the only additional expense has been the cost of the arbitration, which is likely to be not much more than $10,000, and uh, the, the additional time will be a matter of a very few weeks at the most. That was the biggest change that we saw in the construction world and it was the biggest cry that we received from our colleagues in that world saying please put something in to explain how that process works and we did good uh, uh, that obviously is obviously great value internationally i, I know also that, that you've been looking also at domestic things uh, uh, and marion I, I think that there is a new some new uh words paragraphs about early neutral evaluation can you just perhaps tell us about that yes we've it's still not taking off. The all the all the stats show that it's not picked up, and I'm not sure why not. Because it does for the right dispute, it gives the opportunity to take in that independent, objective view to sense check the risks of going forward. So we we brought that into focus, and we know that it's being used in other divisions in the High Court. We also. The family division, for family example. Division, the family absolutely. Division. And, and what it's driving and what is going to be one of the interesting things that Vivek is going to be monitoring for the next edition is it's driving the possibility that mediation will become compulsory. There is already the signs that they're prepared to at least rethink Halsey. So, so we put that in. We brought in mini trials as well from the United States. Still not popular, but again, it's another way of just customising your dispute resolution, which for the construction industry is something they're uniquely well-placed to do. They are used to risk assessing. One of the reasons for that might be that the construction industry, domestic construction industry, yes, has yes. adjudication, yeah. which sort of acts as a slightly blunt instrument of mediation in the sense that you get a decision which then we know sticks whatever the percentage is, it's a very high percentage. And perhaps that's why some of, in the construction industry, some of these new techniques are not uh, working quite as well as they, quite, quite as profusely yeah, as they might in other parts. Yeah, what I cry, Paul, is where's the data? We all repeat, don't we, it's a mantra, that it is enormously successful. The result from adjudication sticks. But there's no hard data behind that. And I'd like to know, does it stick instantly or does it stick after a process of negotiation? And I suspect it's sticking after that process. And there we can bring in these other techniques. 
Good subject for a PhD. <laughs> you're going to do your PhD on it? fancy doing a PhD <laughs> in all this? Uh, yes, I will be. And you know what stands out for me in this uh, chapter of the latest edition of the book is widening of the focus to ADR as a whole. This, to me, is very much in line with the sentiment of the users. Ma- Marion makes a very good point. We The data is very sketchy, but we have some very interesting data that's come out uh, recently. If you look at the 2021 International Arbitration Survey by the Queen Mary University, when asked about the preferred dispute resolution mechanism for cross-border disputes, 59% preferred arbitration in conjunction with ADR. Only 31% preferred arbitration as a standalone method. And 2% preferred ADR standalone. Now, if you want to see the change, let's look at what happened in the 2018 survey. 48% preferred arbitration as standalone. 49% said arbitration in conjunction with ADR. And no one preferred only ADR. I think this is a very important change. In an industry which is highly sensitive to cash flow issues and timeline of any disputes, the flexibility, simplicity, shorter time frame, cost efficiency of ADR are going to be particularly attractive features, especially post-pandemic. Well, I can see what you're going to be doing in the fifth edition really quite quite easily. But Marion, you were talking, and perhaps Marion Edwin, you could let us know where, where you think we're likely to be with the courts, because the, the obviously... Uh, we started off with it, with mediation being a purely voluntary thing with no sanction, and then we had Halsey uh, imposing a cost sanction if you unreasonably refuse to mediate. Um, even though that didn't deal with the people that turned up and said that they're just going to sit there till lunchtime and then go home, uh, as I've known has happened occasionally. So where do you two think we are in policy terms? Well, it couldn't be clearer throughout the TCC guide and the commercial court guide, and I think that we have to look at both because construction um, covers both, they will do anything at any stage to support the parties in alternative dispute resolution. And I don't see that changing. Uh, the pandemic, if if nothing else, will have maintained that as a central policy. Now, it's Geoffrey Voss who has said in the McParland case that he thinks Halsey is up for review now. I don't think the TCC will take the lead on that. I think we will continue to respect party autonomy uh, in this division. And I would be surprised if we were the first division to say that um, ADR is mandatory or that mediation is mandatory. I'll bow to Vivek and Edwin's, Paul, your views on that. But I don't see that fitting with the industry. And it's a very responsive court to the industry. Edwin, where are you on mandatory ADR and its likelihood and its desirability? I think because I'm so old and so uh, old-fashioned, I still have this marked antipathy to compulsion. Uh, I come from that world where we built mediation on a a committee um, open basis. I find the idea of being a mediator, and I've done hundreds of them now, parties who are compelled to appear in the mediation, I find that difficult. I wonder, Vivek is at the sharper, sharp end than any of us, because he's dealing on a daily basis with the clients and their reaction. I wonder, Vivek, um, uh, what's your experience in terms of your client reaction to being told that they might mediate? There certainly was a time when people were rather like my grandchildren with tomatoes. They didn't need to taste them in order to know that they wouldn't like them. And there was huge <laughs> ignorance. 
and people in the construction industry would say, I've heard about this mediation business. We don't like that very much. Let's get on with the real world. Do you feel, Vivek, that there's a growing acceptance now for genuine mediation in, in, in among your clients in these both domestic and international? I know you do both, but you could even break them down. What's your personal experience of the reaction to your clients when you suggest mediation? Thanks, Edwin. I think simply put, there is a great acceptability for mediation. I think for a very long time, mediation was seen as, you know, something that would work very well in a family scenario, not in a commercial dispute. But I think that has significantly changed. Partly it's because of the cost sensitivity parties have, and also because of the time a lot of the formal dispute resolution mechanisms have taken. And I think there is a greater sense amongst users that ADR can be tailor-made, mediation can be dynamic, it can have the advantage of confidentiality, and it can also be binding. The other matter that we didn't talk about, but which Marianne and I discussed in the chapter, and I'd be grateful for you to enlarge on in the light of your experience in the new edition, we feel that one of the huge unsung benefits of mediation that isn't appreciated and is very difficult to write about but is experienced by by particularly the big international outfits is the mending of relationships no other form of adr no other form of litigation or arbitration can repair relationships on the whole it drives people apart it's important i think to remember that above all the commercial relationship in a construction contract starts with a relationship of a number of parties who wanted to do business together because they respect the way in which their various skills work together. Nothing other than mediation can continue to repair those. And we do find increasingly that if a mediation is well handled, the parties do genuinely walk away from it, able to continue to do business or even new business. That is never, in my experience, the result of either arbitration, let alone litigation, when, the, when, when, when it's gone far too far down the road of, of, of um, um, uh, uh, anger and, and, and reprisal and, and uh, formalistic battles. Isn't that partly, Edwin, because of the personality of the leading mediators? If you were to put half at the half dozen, if we would agree on the half dozen leading international mediators and put them... Uh, in, a, in a room together. It'd be quite a congenial group, and they'd be rather good, I think, at... Uh, well, at uh, Paul, yes, yeah. I like to take the credit for that, of course, and we feel very strongly about that. I think we also need to give the credit to the clients because there's been a yeah. changing attitude among the yeah, people now right. risen to the top of the construction industry. There were some pretty boorish, technical, difficult people in the old days who took extraordinary technical points and they were just the mediators. <laughs> and they were yeah, absolutely. Now it isn't only the mediators, but one is finding that the people who refer the disputes mm. are people who are grown up and open-minded enough to genuinely recognise that they still want to do business and they actually want to resolve their dispute. That is present in the industry because of the quality of people who've risen to the top. It's it's present also among the solicitors who instruct. It's partly, let me say, a result, dare I say this in Marion's presence, of the growing number of uh, women, both in the industry and among arbitrators and lawyers. My experience is that many of them are far more open to an alternative friendly way out and far less macho um, uh, showing off than a lot of our male colleagues. Well, actually, Edwin, I think that's, that's a result of diversity. 
because I think the more you bring in a wider pool of people to make the decision, the better the decision is. And I think we have seen um, from this, the last edition to this edition and hopefully moving forward, greater diversity in those who sit around the table. And long may that continue. As Vivek will point out, it's the fact that we have cross cultures now. I mean, the idea that, for example, Asian disputes were being decided by American and English lawyers sitting in Paris was also some of us found quite embarrassing. And even more so with the resurgence of, of, of um, AVSA, the um, Arbitration Foundation for Southern Africa. Uh, now that that is back on the scene and we're being able to play a role in, in re-establishing that, that too is showing the world how some of the really top class, uh, not only black, but female black arbitrators and mediators there are now available. They simply weren't there when we wrote the earlier edition. We're living in a better world. We are living in a better world. And that brings me to the segue to my final question about the fifth edition. Um, one of the things that we've seen happen during the pandemic, of course, is the use of online dispute resolution, whether it is purely online or video or Zoom. Or, or And I know that some quite sophisticated mediation has grown up. I, I've heard mixed reports of it. I've heard some people say that it works brilliantly. Other people say that unless you're in the room with them, you can't see the whites of the whites of their eyes. So what do we think is going to if we're predicting what the next edition is going to say about the use of uh, online and virtual mediation, what's it likely to say? I'm going to go around the three of you, if I may, and I'm going to start with Vivek. Two things. I think a change uh, in the mindset, the way we approach um, ADR, will be one of the legacies of the pandemic. And the second is going to be the mainstreaming of the use of technology, which is going to greatly impact how parties use ADR. I think for the bigger, more complicated disputes, parties will still prefer to be in a room. But for a lot of the smaller, medium-sized cases, remote ADR will work well. But it'll be interesting to see. Marianne? I think it's online is going to be very much part of the toolkit. It will be considered for the whole range. It won't fit all, but it will fit some. And I think finance directors globally, domestically and globally, will have learnt the huge cost savings of going online. Edwin? Looking across the whole board, I think the world of arbitration is completely going to change. I believe the days when three arbitrators from three different jurisdictions fly halfway around the world in opposite directions in order to meet in a five-star hotel in a country where none of them lives, in order to spend half a day uh, deciding a directions hearing, are gone. We've milked that and I think we've been too slow and it took something like the pandemic to wake us up and the clients, the fact that's simply unacceptable. It was absurdly costly, whatever the amount in dispute. On the mediation side, I have to confess, I'd like to be able to pretend it's just as good on screen. I think it depends on the mediator. My, it, 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 that's why you need a mediator of the right style and type for each dispute. None of us is good at everything, uh, apart from the 39 Essex mediators, who, of course, are all good at everything. But uh, ordinary human beings find it difficult. 
I have to say that the type of mediations that I do, I do like to get fairly close. I do like to be able to feel and smell and, and, and live with the people in the dispute, particularly where there are cultural differences and I'm trying to get under people's skin. I genuinely find that more difficult in, in online. But it has this advantage in both mediation and arbitrators, counsel appearing and lawyers and people appearing in mediation and arbitration now have to be far more economical and far more focused in the way in which they approach what they say to mediators. The grandstanding of jury speeches, the, 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 the pompous self-elegance of people making long arbitration openings are mercifully gone. People realize because they see themselves on screen as I can now doing it and you see how silly you look. I think that that is a real advantage, but the live hearings are certainly going to continue. Well, I hope that we haven't all looked silly <laughs> or sounded silly during this podcast. I, we, we hope that it's given you uh, a look in to this chapter of Wilmot Smith on Construction Contracts, 4th edition. Uh, can I thank you all for listening to this episode? And can I thank Vivek, Marion and Edwin, not uh, Marion and Edwin for their work on the 4th edition, Vivek, Marion and Edwin for their work on the 5th edition coming up, and the three of them for participating in our conversation today. Thank you all very much. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.